Hello, all. Chris Brand here, and with me is Thomas Guinan from Spoonie Bar Productions to talk about Alfonso's Arctic Adventure, a homebrew for the NES released in 2019. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you for offering your time to talk about the development of this homebrew title. Glad to be here. Great. Before we jump into the gameplay and commentary discussion, let's talk a bit about Spoonie Bar Productions and give the viewers some background about the game. Sure. For those uh, not familiar, you are a full-time NES developer and have released four games, including Eskimo Bob, Alfonso's Arctic Adventure, Galf, and Jay and Silent Bob Mallball. Yeah. That's, that's awesome that you can kind of ease into now being a full-time NES developer. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I also do uh, game development, like uh, modern game development as well. I'm currently working on uh, the Jay and Silent Bob Chronic One Punch game. So kind of jumped into that after Mall Brawl. So it's um, the, the NES dev thing has kind of uh, opened up some opportunities, which is great. Kind of taking them as they come, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, there's uh, there's some new opportunities popping up. Uh, probably a little too early to talk about them yet, but it's uh, there's there's definitely some stuff coming down the pipeline soon that'll be I'll be excited to uh, to get working on and to uh, to show people. Brand new, uh, unaffiliated with uh, licensed properties. Um. Maybe a little bit of both. Cool. Have to see how it goes. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the title of this, uh, Alfonso's Arctic Adventure, based off of your Flash cartoon series, can you give the viewers a, a short background about the source material? Yeah. So uh, it all it started out as uh, Eskimo Bob, which was a uh, it was a Flash cartoon series. Um, that we, uh, my brother and I started in 2001 and, uh, initially, um, put it on our, on my own website and then on new grounds, um, just in the whole, in the whole pre YouTube flash era of, uh, the internet, it was, uh, it was pretty big on, on new grounds. Um, and, uh, it had a pretty, pretty big following. Um, so I've always just, I mean, having made it with my brother i just it was something i've always had kind of in the back of my mind so when i started dabbling in the nes homebrew um it was just just kind of naturally use those same characters so um what what drove you to to return and make a sequel to eskimo bob with alfonso now uh honestly i think it was just the first game um it it came together so quickly. Like I started developing it. It was in in, uh, 2017. I'd say I started developing in March. I ran the Kickstarter in May. And then the game was like, I think the digital release came out in June or July. And so it it just, it it happened really quickly. Um, Then once the carts were done and shipped, I think October, um, I had just still kind of been playing with the same engine and and um, thinking, you know, how can I make this better? And it, it almost just kind of grew out of the first game and sort mm-hmm. of turned into a sequel because it was like, you know, I, I released a game, but I wasn't done with it yet. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much how it happened. OK, but looking at Eskimo Bob and now your sequel and you, you kind of touched on that you use the same engine, even though it's the same source material and this is the sequel, the games play differently. I would say Eskimo Bob is, is, they're both a puzzle or platformer, but Eskimo Bob seems more puzzle-oriented, and Alfonso seems more of a platformer. I don't know if that was your intention, but did you, did you strive out to make a difference between the two games? 
Yeah, I, I, I think I did because I wanted to, like, I think, like you're saying, like the first Eskimo Bob, there's a lot of stuff that makes the game um, sort of slower paced, if that makes sense. And even the physics are just just a, a, a hair slower. Like when you're jumping, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a little floatier. Um, you've got the enemies don't respawn. So you can kind of, once you've, you can kind of take your time to sort of figure out the puzzles. Mm -hmm. um, with the second game, it, it sort of happened. My original thought was, okay, like what if I make a pack where you start out with Alfonso and then you get to switch to another character who is like Bob. So it was going to be, it was just going to be Alfonso and Magnus who was just a, a sort of like um, in the original Eskimo Bob cartoon, he was just this one shot mm -hmm. character in one episode that was parodying like Transformers, the movie. So that's why he just looks like Bob with sunglasses. Cause it's kind of like the ultra Magnus character being a recolor of uh, Optimus prime. So that was sort of the, uh, <laughs> yeah. that was the original joke was it's like, okay, I'll just, uh, we'll just have a slightly different Bob. But then I uh, started sort of playing with mappers and, and putting other characters in and I think it became a bit more platformer style because mm -hmm. in the original game, Bob has no attack. So you can only yeah. attack when you switch to Alfonso. Where you're starting with a character who attacks, then you're sort of, when I'm designing the levels, it kind of mm -hmm. just made them a little bit more um, platformery, combat-based by default. So mm -hmm. I think that had a lot to do with it. That kind of uh, is interesting because that you mentioned that the 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 difference between Magnus and Eskimo Bob, and that that is kind of um, shown in not just the character design, but also the attack. Because Eskimo Bob, like you're saying, doesn't really have attack. He kind of can punch down at the blocks and break them. And Magnus is like this super ground punch. Yeah, which, exactly. It's a little more aggressive. <laughs> which reminds me. I didn't see your, I didn't watch the entire uh, series, but I did see maybe about half of them. And you have one episode where it's all of a sudden, um, I forget which one transforms basically into Super Saiyan, and the other ones uh, doing oh, yeah. uh, um, like Street Fighter uh, moves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you were kind of involved in in the whole project, but you're wearing all the hats. You're the programmer, the graphic artist, the musician. It, was that a bit overwhelming or or did you do you like that kind of challenge uh i, I mean I, I don't think it was really overwhelming it was uh it's it's kind of fun because you have there's advantages and disadvantages to it i think because like the advantages you can kind of just go crazy and do whatever you want mm -hmm. um there's also sort of the disadvantage if you don't have any input from anyone else it's hard to balance mm -hmm. Um, so I, I did have a lot of help just like, uh, especially with the first game with the second one as well. My wife did a lot of testing mm. for me for the, uh, for the levels, um, help kind of rearrange things to sort of have a better, um, difficulty curve. So a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the placement levels kind of got shifted around that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, tried to get my son to play it a bit as well. So I could get just my, my internal beta testing team basically. <laughs> and. Uh, and I, and I had a couple other people online check it out as well, just to sort of give some feedback. But um, I think if, if flying completely solo, it's definitely an easy trap to get into because mm. you can make something that is just not intuitive to other people, but it feels entirely intuitive to yourself. So yeah, I could see that. Um, as far as the testing, was it was there equal amount of um, 
uh, beta testing given between Eskimo Bob and Al Alfonso's Arctic Adventure, or was one more than the other? I'd say Alfonso had a lot more, just because it was more like the it was. It, it took about a year to develop. Mm. Well, the, the first game took like three months, so just by default, it it needed some more testing. I see. Yeah, um, I was asking because Alf Alfonso seems a little bit more balanced in its um, difficulty um, than Eskimo Bob in, in a sense. I was wondering if that was a result of the of the testing. I think so. I think there's that. Plus, you just kind of learn from your mistakes once mm. you've played the first one enough times. And I mean, when you're developing a game, you can basically at some point play it blindfolded, it feels like. So yeah. Just, <laughs> you become extremely intimately familiar with uh, your own game mechanics. I can see that because a lot of developers um, comment that like the hard mode is really for them because uh, they've played the game so much, it's it's not a challenge anymore. And then they, oh, they end up making normal as, you know, the Yeah, 100%. One. Yeah, I think that's 100% true. And I think a lot of the time, too, I know you see people kind of theorizing why some of like, these older mm -hmm. um, early NES games were so difficult and stuff like that. And I think a lot of it, I don't think it was so much having the, uh, the sort of the theory of let's make it artificially difficult to lengthen mm -hmm. the game. I don't think that was so much the intent. I think a lot of it is literally just, you know, you play the game so much yourself that you got to keep it interesting while, mm -hmm. you're, while you're developing it. And, uh, and then for somebody coming in fresh, suddenly it's like, you know, you're playing something that's mm -hmm. made for people who are trained for hard mode. You know, I didn't realize I was playing a mechanic wrong until way into the later part. And I think that's, that might be why. So Magnus, his, uh, his attack, um, you, you just have to press A and B, uh, and then he does the attack. But up until, I think the first time I played through, up until maybe the last episode, I was doing it as kind of um, ducktails. So I was pressing down and B to do almost like a pogo jump. So I was adding okay. an extra complexity to it that wasn't needed. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't have to do that. <laughs> it's funny because that was actually there's a running change in uh, the original Eskimo Bob with the cartridges. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the first run of them, you do have to press down and B to punch mm -hmm. downward. And uh, at some point, I I kind of tweaked it and made a revision to so it's just the B button to punch. Oh, I wonder. I wonder if that's why. Um, I have a Kickstarter version of Eskimo Bob. Maybe yeah, so it probably why. has down and B. Okay. Yeah, because I eventually did a uh, when I did the second run of mm -hmm. what's the second? Maybe it was the third run. Of, it was it was a future run anyway, where I had some uh, CN ROM cartridges instead of the uh, instead of NROM boards, and I just mm -hmm. thought I got a little bit of extra space for graphics, so I'll just I, I added a couple tweaks to the game and released um and uh, put some like flipbook animations in the background. Mm -hmm. Nothing really huge. I didn't want to people who had the original to feel ripped off but uh <laughs> <laughs> but one of the changes i did was just make it so it's just like tap beat a punch because it just it's just little things like that i think you know and i think that actually happened between ducktales and ducktales too it did so, yeah yeah it's just sort of like there's little things that you think it's like is that extra button really necessary <laughs> uh, like they do they do make um i think they make a rom hack for the first ducktales to get rid of the down uh combination okay. Um, you know, I, I didn't play much of DuckTales 2, so I don't know if um, 
if it's a it's a real benefit to the game but um i do see it once i figured out that i didn't have to press down with magnus i was like oh this is a big relief my hands <laughs> thank you because you know that it's kind of forceful i don't know not everyone may play this way but when i'm, I'm like oh push that controller and then you know eventually your yeah. thumb is like oh <laughs> and it does kind of dig into your hand the d-pad mm-hmm. when you're when you're rolling it down like that so yeah i can see that <laughs> So uh, a bit more about um, you know you and Spoonybard. So now that you have these four NES games under your belt, um, are you still tackling everything in C, or are you using more assembly? What's your kind of takeaway for maybe people that are currently using C in their games or thinking of getting into NES? Is C uh, as viable as you um, you when you first uh, approach Eskimo Bob as you? as you just released Marlboro? Um, I think so. Um, I mean, Marlboro was still primarily C. Um, so, I mean, I think C is is pretty viable. Um, you just have to get clever with it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and really, it depends. Like, I, I don't think if someone's comfortable with assembly, I don't think there's any real advantage of them to, mm-hmm. to switching to use C. Um, but it depends on what you're comfortable with where I'm a, like, I'm a professional programmer anyway. So, and I mean, most modern languages are C based, like, you know, C plus plus C sharp, Java, you know, all that stuff is C based. So being able to program in C is, uh, it's just a lot easier to wrap my head around. Um, although I, like there are some things that I've done in assembly, like, um, just how, uh, you know, it's just, small things like maybe how like um like sprite data and level data store that kind of stuff um but as far as like programming character logic and enemy logic and stuff it's just a lot easier to wrap my head around it yeah so i think i think for um i think the biggest difference i did notice and this was a switch i made just with the first eskimo bob is when i um just changed how the uh the sprites worked and and got that working using assembly instead of c because it was just so much lower in c um i think just having like like key routines where the game is bogged down if you can manage to rewrite that stuff in in assembly um even that makes a big difference but i don't think like i think having the combination of both is really useful as far as just the speed of being able to to develop a game um quicker i think it would take a lot longer if i had to do everything in assembly i could see that it's considering you're you were already familiar professionally with the language it yeah, exactly. made you ease into it i think there's a i think you mentioned before you you can you kind of came across uh doug doug f's uh tutorials and that's how you kind of you know got your so oh i can use c and then besides yeah. that my kind of my understanding is you just have to um not use some of the higher level uh, commands. You kind of have to make more steps. You can still do your logic, but you just need a lot of little steps rather than a, a higher higher uh, base command. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, Shiro's got some documentation where he, he's talked about like the uh, sort of the optimal way to do things and see like um, things that you wouldn't normally want to do uh, professionally, like like using a lot of global variables instead of local and, and just that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, that stuff does make a big difference, too. Yeah. So um, besides the programming, since you were um, you did the, the graphics and the music, what, uh, what programs did you use for Alfonso's Arctic Adventure? And are those the same ones you're using today? 
Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, the whole time through, I basically just use um, YYCHR, um, NES screen tool. Um, I use the uh, NES space checker a lot, just check banks and stuff like that. And uh, there's a, a map editor called uh, Tiled that you can export um, CSV data. And that's pretty useful just for like designing levels and stuff. Um, and that way I don't have to, it, it can just export, you know, just an array that I can import in. Yeah. But um, th those are basically what I use. It's pretty basic tools. That and just like uh, Notepad++ for coding. That's about it. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, you ready to take a, a look at the gameplay and we can focus our uh, conversation more? Or do you want something yeah. to add before we kind of get into it? No, sure. Let's, let's take a look at the game. Okay. <laughs> let's dive in. So on here, um, we're not going to get into it in, in, in this commentary, but on the screen, there's a, a two-player melee that you you entered into the Nestev Compo and is available yeah. on the cartridge. Do you want to talk a bit yeah. about that, why, we're, why it's going into the start of the game? Uh, yeah, basically that was just sort of... Um, I always liked in uh, the Super Mario All-Stars version of uh, Super Mario 3 how you had battle mode. And uh, I, I just wanted to have something similar to that as an option in the game. Because uh, I, I kind of thought, like, having simultaneous two-player in the regular game would be fun. But it uh, it felt a little too daunting for me at the time. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try a mini-game instead. And uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. <laughs> so that's sort of <laughs> what the inspiration was. Was yeah. the, uh, was the um, All -Star, Mario All-Stars battle mode. Okay. Yeah. Um, what what the viewers might have might have missed is uh, the premise of the game is basically that uh, Bob disappears, and now Alfonso is searching for him using what what Bob loves. He loves uh, getting fish, so Bob uh, so Bob is now collecting fish. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so, and the first game was very similar. So mm -hmm. you collect fish to uh, to uh, to beat the level and. Uh, I just kind of tried to shoehorn a plot around it this time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's kind of looking at um, the difference between your Nestev compo entry for Alfonso's Arctic Adventure and then the game, which they both use episode one. Um, there are some differences. There's no secrets. Um, there's a lot more signposts in the Nestev compo. Is there a reason you removed them? You found them unnecessary? Um, I didn't think... I, I can't remember really removing them. I think they still have... Unless I changed the messages, but I'm pretty sure there's still a signpost in each level. Yeah, I think there's just more of them explaining more. I think in the final game, I think you just have one. Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe, because I'm, I'm pretty sure I only ever had one per level. Um, I know that the level order is a little different. There's because there's some of the, uh, and I didn't have the map. Like there's some things like there's the maps and the secret yeah. eggs and stuff. Those just sort of didn't come until later in development. Um, but yeah, the the compo entry is a lot closer to the original Eskimo Bob than the mm. final. I think. And you can even kind of see it just in the level in, in the first. Uh, the first world or whatever, the first episode of the game, like those levels 
as compared to the levels from the second episode and onward, um, there's a lot of the game mechanics that uh, that are sort of introduced after the start. The start is a lot closer in line to the first game, I think. And I think it was kind of like I sort of used it as the the episode to introduce the other characters, and then yeah. sort of each episode after that, I kind of add a different game mechanic to try to to spice it up. So this is kind of um, the beginning where we can see that you kind of um, it's short here, but you have some branching paths in the game, and we'll see a larger branching path later. But uh, that is something that you could do with the map that you couldn't really do before with uh, with the no map. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you could do it with a secret exit. Like I could just have a secret exit that skips you ahead two levels or something like that. But I kind of like that it kind of gives the player some agency so they can choose, like, well, do I want to go this way or this way? Mm, yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you might take the seat, you know, take the other path and think, well, you know, I kind of want to check out these levels or the, or the levels in the uh, in the path. You know, it's they might seem shorter, but they might be more difficult. Yeah. So tried to sort of give some uh, some options like that. So the the first episode, we get to see all the all the playable characters. It was that always um, when you were planning the game. Is that how you always envisioned it, or did you have a different arrangement, like one new character per episode? Uh, no, I pretty much always just I wanted to introduce the the mechanics pretty quickly, like as far as the playable characters, and then uh, sort of the rest of the game focus it more on mechanics rather than uh, the characters because. It, uh, I just felt like I I didn't want to take I wanted to give sort of all of the characters more or less uh, an equal chance to shine. Yeah. So you know if if you introduce them too late, then you might feel like you're uh, yeah you're missing out on a on a chance to use them. I can I can uh, I can I think that does make sense because um, I'm thinking back to uh, Bucky O'Hare, where you kind of get each character per world, and I always favored one character over the rest. And I never really played as um, the last character you get, which I think is uh, the boy. Because, like, he's the last yeah. to come, you have no real experience with him, and I'm like, ah, you know, I just used him when I had to. Yeah, like, and that's that's kind of a good example. Or, um, I'm thinking, too, with a lot of the Mega Man games, you get a mm -hmm. lot of weapons that you just, you just never use. If you're playing yeah. Mega Man 2, I don't know about you, but I beat Metal Man stage first, and then I just use that for the rest <laughs> of the game. Like, that's just how I play it. <laughs> it's like, um, I don't know. I think it's just... And two, with this game, it's you don't really so much have the option of which character you're going to use, because they're based yeah. around the environments. Yeah. Which honestly was sort of... It was somewhat of a decision, but it was also just... Um, the mapper I was using, it was like, okay, I can have a, I can have a different character per, you know, background tile set. So, mm. because the, uh, I was, I was using um, the, uh, the color dreams mapper, um, and the, the basically the main reason I used that was um, when I was putting the cards together for the first Eskimo Bob. Um, I was talking to uh, Paul from NES Lives, and he said, you know. Um, Color Dreams Mapper is a really simple mapper, and uh, it, it would not be an expensive one to use. So it's something that would be—I think it'd be cool if people looked into it. So yeah, that was a lot of why I did it, just because you know, looking into other mappers was a little bit 
pricier and I was like, well, I don't, I don't need that much more. Like I wasn't, I wasn't planning on using extra RAM or any real complicated bank switching. So it worked for what I needed it to. Yeah. And I kind of built the game around that. Excited to see where it goes after um, Paul releases his new board. That you, it's pretty much all boards, and it's just depending on the program. If you're familiar with it, he's revising he's revising his board, so it's kind of like a universal yeah. board. Yeah, I was actually speaking to him about it. That is pretty exciting. Um, so it, it it should be really interesting because then, like, I'm taking a look at like uh, MMC three and some of the stuff I can do with that now. So it kind of opens up for developers to. Um, they could change their mind, or it's really the pricing is. I'm assuming it's going to be the same because it's one universal board, and kind of leaves you yeah, a little exactly. bit more options. Yeah, because sort of the the pricing as it was before. It's like okay, well, if I want to do NMC three, it's going to cost me twice as much. So it kind yeah. of just just that in itself, knowing I'm going to have to charge customers like you know ten bucks more or something. Yeah. Um, for something that they, you know. Some people are gonna understand, but a lot of people aren't. So it's like, yeah. maybe I'll just work within the limits that I can for now to try to keep things reasonable. So yeah, there was always kind of that thought process in my head. Uh, of course, I kind of broke it a little bit when I when I did Mall Brawl because it was like, <laughs> it's it's MMC one. Yeah, but um, but that was also I wasn't doing a small run myself. That was going through uh, limited run games. So. Yeah. I think yeah, like Connor, you're saying maybe a lot of players don't don't know difference. So it could be your board could be like four dollars, or it can be fifteen dollars, or more depending on which mapper you're doing. Are you soldering your your own chips? You know, there's a lot of variables. And uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's actually pretty funny because with Alfonso, like I I released it with the Color Dreams mapper on the cartridge version. But when I did the digital release, I uh, I used MMC1 because I wanted to have it um, be like natively compatible with the uh, the NES Classic for people okay. to have that hacked. Because where Color Dreams Mapper isn't really an official Nintendo Mapper, mm. we can work on it. So it was like so I actually like I I ported the game over to a slightly more complex mapper um, that would you know that kind of fit within the same footprint. So I actually did do two slightly different versions yeah um, i mean i basically just had to rewrite the bank switching routine but uh it's just it's just funny because where it's uh it was kind of like okay it's more cost efficient to release it with this mapper but it's more compatible for people if i release it with this one so yeah i'm sorry but you're gonna see me cheese all of these bosses <laughs> <laughs> it's all good <laughs> so i hope people that are you know watching this one i hope the walkways, uh, the ones that haven't played will play it, but hopefully they uh, <laughs> try to do these bosses and uh, not cheesing them. <laughs> this is actually interesting because I uh, I cheese this guy a different way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is really extremely pattern-based, though. I kind of started simple. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so now that we, we have all the characters... And we're gonna start seeing bosses. These, all of these, are from your Flash cartoon series. Yeah. Um, I have I have a couple questions about the characters. Yeah, sure. 
One, what's with the one eyebrow? It's funny. That was actually um, the original characters I did for the Flash cartoon. I uh, I didn't even have like a uh, a Wacom tablet or anything to draw with at the time. So I just, I literally, but we had a scanner. So I drew it with a Sharpie and I scanned it. Um, so that's how I originally was drawing characters. And uh, the one eyebrow, it was... Uh, meant to be kind of like a bit of a tribute to um to pixel art like when i was thinking of like the uh the final fantasy games like the early ones where you have the characters tend to have one eyebrow that's a lot more prominent mm. so it was sort of i was doing that in a uh i did that with a sharpie and it just sort of looked like the letters ti really i guess but um, okay yeah was, you can uh, see that in the sh in the yeah. show the the penguin looks a lot like that because it's it's his eyes are vertical lines yeah exactly so it's just very like very the whole thing was meant to be extremely simplistic it was never meant to be like this super detailed animation and part of it was just so i could make the episodes quickly um so then i i just thought it was funny taking what was inspired by pixel art and then uh, <laughs> translating it back into pixel art was kind of fun. <laughs> so that's basically what the, uh, the eyebrow was. And it's funny because this is something that would only even matter to me and probably nobody else. But <laughs> like, if you notice, like I don't just mirror the, uh, the face. Like mm -hmm. I always have the left eyebrow that's more oh, okay. that's like the prominent one so yeah. i actually like from a from a design perspective it's probably a really dumb thing to do because i actually had to make like twice as many face sprites <laughs> so i could so i could have that like but in the show it was always the left eyebrow that i mm. had um well almost always if there's some of the animal characters had different eyebrows where they were sort of like an arch instead of the, the straight yeah. line but any of the straight line characters is always the left eyebrow so I kept that in there, even though uh, mirroring it would have been uh, <laughs> would have been a, it would have made a lot more sense, and most people probably wouldn't even notice. But it was just like my own personal conviction of like, no, I gotta keep it the same eyebrow. I'm never, I'm, I'm always gonna notice this now, and it's like um, so outrun on the on the Sega Genesis when you turn the uh, the Ferrari symbol on the back, it's stationary. But if you play on the Turbo Graphics, actually, sorry, the PC Engine, because only, it was only released in Japan, the uh, symbol reverses based on which way you're turning. So as soon as you see that, you can never unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's kind of like um, you notice it in uh, Super Mario Kart 2, where it's mm -hmm. like you had uh, Donkey Kong Jr. had that the V on his chest. Yeah. And I think they were hoping that people would see that as a J somehow or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it's just because the the sprites are all mirrored like, you know, they're it's just like it's half a sprite and then it's mirrored. So they just you know, just to save some space. But it's uh it's just to me it was always funny that you had that V. So I remember like as a kid we were trying to figure out like is his name like does is his actual name and so Donkey Kong Jr. does it start with a V? And mm -hmm. we were trying to figure out what this V meant on his <laughs> chest. It's like, it's uh it's just funny just some of those uh you know the limitations yeah. I, I thought there was going to be some story about this eyebrow that 
like your brother or you shaved off each other's eyebrow or something some sort of <laughs> tribute no it was just this it was just trying to make them kind of look like if you drew a final fantasy sprite with a mm. sharpie that's that's basically <laughs> what it was supposed to be like <laughs> and that, that kind of leads me into another question about the characters and this might be my my own wild interpretation too but the show eskimo bob it, and it's always Eskimo Bob starring Alfonso. And then as it goes on, starring Alfonso becomes more aggressive. Was, is um, Bob and Alfonso based off anyone? Was there any animosity between two people? And that's kind of the driver of that? No, it was, it was actually, um, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a really simplistic thing. Um, it has a lot less thought put into it, I guess. It was like, the whole originally um it was it was basically my brother and i we were teenagers at the time mm -hmm. um we were just like we were playing around with the piano we like we had a piano in our living room and uh i just it was i mean this was like christmas eve and or something it was around that time anyway it was like two in the morning and we're just basically joking around and uh, I told, I just, for some reason, I don't know why I said it to him, but he was just making up songs on the piano. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, just telling him like, oh, make up a song about this. So then I was like, make up a song about an Eskimo. So then he just started playing like the theme song going Eskimo mm -hmm. Bob, Eskimo <laughs> Bob. And then like my mother happened to walk into the room and she's like, what is Eskimo Bob? Is it a cartoon or something? <laughs> and meanwhile, I was actually like, I was taking a course in, and one of the things I was doing, it was my, it was uh, my first year at college and I was taking a course and one of the things in it was uh, flash animation. So I was like, yeah, well, I'll make it into a cartoon. So it was, <laughs> and then, uh, so as we're planning this and I, like it, maybe two weeks later, it became a cartoon. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't exactly, you know, a lot of thought put into it. We just kind of, we had this idea. We're just, we're just saying, this stuff we're like okay let's uh and we and we from the start we had this plan like okay we're gonna the episodes are gonna be really short and they're not gonna make any sense but then after a bit we're gonna have this big dragon ball z parody like that was just sort of from the start <laughs> like what we wanted to do which is why you kind of have these really short episodes and then episode 13 that was the one you were talking about earlier where all of a sudden like you know alfonso goes super saiyan and yeah there's shooting hadoukens and all this stuff so it's like um anyway um now alfonso he just came out of i think we uh because originally it was just going to be um it was just gonna be about bob although we mm -hmm. were going to have an evil penguin that was part of the plan originally um but my uh now this came from my dad he sort of said like um oh bob that's a real eskimo sounding name kind of like alfonso so we're like okay yeah alfonso's gonna be his sidekick um that was pretty much it it just sort of it was very uh kind of a collaborative kind of thing it was just sort of like my parents would say something and we'd laugh at it and be like okay yeah we're using it and or or like you know me and my brother same, it was the same thing we just sort of shoot ideas back forth. okay yeah we're gonna use that we're gonna we're gonna do something with it and it was uh almost just kind of like making this long stupid story and uh and then you know using my limited single semester knowledge of how to animate and flash to uh make it happen 
So the the aesthetic of um, the Flash cartoon, and then which this is all going to be based on For the Flash cartoon. Did it did it come down to um, the speed and you and you learning, or was this um, kind of the look you had always envisioned for the the series? I mean, it really came down to like with the uh, the whole. I just I basically just drew it with a sharpie. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. this is what uh you know this is what he's going to look like, and it was we had this very. Um, the idea of almost like, you know, as soon as it's ready, it's like, okay, it works, ship it. Kind of like that <laughs> idea. So it was yeah. like, okay, I drew a single picture, like a lopsided Sharpie drawing. Okay, that's how he looks. I'm just going to use that forever. Um, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because some of your backgrounds in the show, I'm like, oh, this is just a squiggle blue. And then I'm like, looking at yeah. the next episode, I'm like, he he reused that. He That is his background. <laughs> yeah, and uh, actually it's funny because a lot of those backgrounds, sometimes I reuse them, there's other times it's just like I draw the same thing, so it's like... Yeah. And uh, I would, you know, i draw a scribble of blue, and then I'd sort of use the angled brush, and i draw the little mountains in the background, and uh, just like... <laughs> very uh very simplistic and but kind of as it went along it was like okay i'm gonna uh, just sort of little details crept in here and there so it's like okay you know like we'll up the frame rate and improve some of the, the mm. animations and get rid of some of the ugly gradients and make them flat and, uh, um the mouths like sync up the mouths better mm. a little bit. just just little things like that was uh just kind of as it went along so it, it kind of over that the first we did a lot of them in the first year, just like in 2001. I think we did the first like half of the episodes that we ever did, basically, in that first year. Mm -hmm. We did 30 of them, and there was like 57 total, and it was sort of, sort of a little more sporadic afterwards. I think it was more just, you know... It, because it was just being done for fun, right? So Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of at the second boss now yeah and i'm thinking back to i think something you commented on on the not during here but in a previous interview about eskimo bomb that you kind of got uh a lot of comments back that oh this enemy pattern is figured out and oh it's so difficult and in this one i think the um enemy patterns are a lot more understandable was that um are we, uh, you reacting to that those comments? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, the first the first game, the final boss, like it's it's kind of ridiculous, and it was almost just ridiculous by accident because it was it, it's not even much of a boss fight. It's just you mm -hmm. know you just got a single sprite in the middle of the screen. He's just firing out like a very set pattern of sparks coming out of him, and then I just yeah. have various enemies throughout the game coming in and I think it's just because all those different enemies had different patterns that that's what made it difficult um, but I know a lot of people had trouble with that boss <laughs> but uh, it was also kind of fun at the time because a lot of it was just you know I'll get some of my friends tried out and watching them get frustrated with it, <laughs> it that's just kind of fun at the same time right so there's a uh, there's that thin line between, you know, fun and frustration, and it's uh, trying to find the balance with that. And it's that's different line for different people, too, so... I kind of came to that um, thought while playing through as you kind of go through each level. I'm like, you know, Thomas, he's kind of evil here. Somehow you found a way to uh, merge my two least favorite uh, worlds 
uh, water and ice into <laughs> one one area. <laughs> well, that was a thing I remember too with the uh, with, I think it was for the Alfonso Kickstarter. I remember seeing uh, there was a, uh, a comment someone left somewhere, and they're like, "An entire game of ice physics? No thanks." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but it's it's not really. You know, when you play it, that's not really what it is. No. It's not like normal ice physics. It's more like the ice is a mechanic, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just it's just kind of funny for uh, to see that because uh, I didn't really do any traditional slippy ice physics. Mm -hmm. So, but it, it just when you look at it, that's what you're gonna immediately yeah. think is like, oh man, I'm, I'm just gonna be slipping, and the whole game's gonna be <laughs> annoying. And I think there's actually, even though this level or this episode has, it's water and ice. I think the the only really overlap in two or three episodes where you you have to do both, where you're yeah, like where I've got the ice bucket guys and they're dumping into the water. Yeah, there's those ones for sure. Um, but even then, I feel like I I made the ice mechanic kind of fun because it was like it's running, it's not yeah. sliding, so. Yeah, that, that is true. A use. There's only um, it's mostly yeah. You're you're running to get like kind of like here. You kind of yeah, like, run to get somewhere else. And there's only a couple instances where you have to tackle running into an enemy like to avoid that. Yeah, and it's like there's a, there's a little bit of that whole slippiness at the start, but I don't think it's it's as extreme as as some games. Like right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's doing it a little bit, but. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like I, I did want to make it fun and it just it just happened to be like, okay, I gotta make this game, you know, in the Arctic because that's what these characters are, so yeah, but somewhere somehow you found a way to uh have lava, um forests. It's it's much more than just like you're saying that, oh, yeah, that one comment where it's like it's all all Arctic. Yeah, that's true. Well I mean there's always sort of the snow blocks, but mm -hmm. they're I guess they're a little sandier looking here maybe. I don't know. And then uh, <laughs> the water, but one thing we didn't really comment on um, the map. You're you're able to kind of showcase what kind of terrain you're going to be encountering in the levels because based on the your adjacent tiles, you can see oh this is an underwater level, this is a snow level, or this yeah, is, or, um... yeah. I did try to do that or have put put a few trees around the forest levels or some grass or something. I I, I did try to do that a bit or have the caves be like when you're over top of the mountain area. Mm -hmm. Um, I just I just thought it'd be nice to do that just to make it line up rather than have it feel feel random just to it just I don't know just felt nice <laughs> those narwhals uh, yeah the ones in the first game though were so much worse <laughs> yeah actually a lot of the enemies in the first game are a lot more aggressive like these have like a set pattern the other ones, I, f I felt like they followed you or it came after you a lot more. They jumped when you were nearby, I think is what it was. And I think I do have a, a couple of them that behave like that, like towards the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And I think I even put a sign that was like, okay, no more. <laughs> but you said, uh, yeah, yeah, no more narwhals uh, no, after yeah. this, I promise. <laughs> like that. Yeah, but there are, there are definitely a lot, like these fish are all pretty. And I think too, just where you have the slow movement in the water, I mean water yeah. levels are annoying so the enemies are a little bit less aggressive in there just because i do like the little sea urchins though <laughs> just felt like those were necessary 
I mean, they basically look like every other sea urchin enemy in every other game, except they get the, <laughs> the eyebrow thing going. <laughs> One Are you, thing, like, uh, deciding which way to go here. <laughs> yeah, uh, underwater uh, physics is a little like it's a little frustrating to me, or like I have a hard time getting adjusted to it, so I have to kind of be like, uh. <laughs> It's one of those things, it's like, which way are you going to take it? And I kind of did the more, um, I guess, Mega Man thing, where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, you, you walk slow and you jump high, as yeah. opposed to the the swimming. Um, and, uh... <laughs> You're going to see a lot of me <laughs> fall through blocks, especially later. There's one episode where, or one level where oh. you're... Um, uh, you have to maneuver a lot of disappearing blocks <laughs> yeah it's funny the disappearing blocks even it was like i'm i went with the semi-solid instead of the instead of them being solid like Mega Man, and that was something yeah. i kind of played with um like i wasn't quite sure which one i was going to do but it just i ended up i think when i wanted to do solid ones i ended up using just the uh the snow blocks <laughs> but uh I didn't use those as often. I actually found the semi-solid ones to be a little more fun. And two, I could do tricks like like that elevator. Yeah. Um, just doing things like that. It was that was almost an accidental mechanic, and then I kind of tweaked it because it was just it was like it was just it kind of pushed you up because you were it was like the block the being trapped in block physics or whatever just happened to work that way. So I was like, oh, nice. This is this is kind of fun. <laughs> there's a there's a few instances where of that sort of thing happening. And there's the ice being uh, being annoying, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it's always weird um, seeing other people play your own game and seeing how they tackle things too. It's just a it's it's something I still find really uh, really funny. Well, I'm I'm stubborn, so you're gonna see me like try the same <laughs> thing over and over again. That's <laughs> uh, funny. And that's one thing. Like, um, it takes a little. You may not, um, since you played the game so much that you you might be fine with, but it takes a bit of time to get um, used to Alfonso's attack rather than like a sword swiping, where you can be kind of late or early. The the stick moving forward. I guess you have it so it's just the tip of the stick that makes the collision because you could um, send out your stick too late or too early or something when the enemy is appearing so that the stick will go through the enemy but you don't actually kill the enemy. Yeah, and that was a thing. Um, if I ever do a sequel, I'll probably fix that. But yeah, that was something that was in both games. or It was just the tip. Yeah. <laughs> just the tip that's... Uh... <laughs> that's uh causing the damage and uh it's funny because i don't know what the way it's coded i don't think it actually does make it better but mm -hmm. for some reason at the time i thought that i was being more efficient but i don't but then i think when i worked on mall brawl and then i have the attack um the attack physics are a lot more like traditional so it's kind of like the whole arm when you punch does damage and uh, I was like, oh, this this actually is just as efficient as what I was doing. I don't know why. It was, it was one of those things that's kind of like, well, it works, so I didn't really feel the need to change yeah. it. You get used to it. Um, at first, it's like you tackling, oh, how's this working? And then eventually you get used to it. 
Yeah. I think that's just kind of, uh, I don't know, just one of those things. It's like, uh, you know, you get used to your own game engine, so it's like something yeah. little like that. It's like, okay, it's, uh, you don't really notice it until other people say it. It's like, oh yeah, that is a little a little bit weird. Um, the only time I, I really struggled with it is the final boss. Okay. You'll, you'll kind of see me um, struggle with it a little bit, because... Um, so for the final boss, when we get there, you have uh, perfect yuck, and then you have the yuck uh, clones, and they kind of disappear, or they they come in and out, so that um, I'll attack too soon. Uh, you'll see the collision where I'm not actually hitting them. Okay. Hmm. Not interested to see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I haven't I haven't played this one as much where I developed sort of mall brawl in the interim. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you know you play it a whole lot, and uh, so it's interesting coming back and looking at this one again because there's so much stuff like that I can I can see probably more so with the first Essence where I did this as a sequel. But um, mm -hmm. there's little things that I would have done differently, and I I've already I, I kind of have ideas for a sequel that I would like to do for this mm -hmm. formulated in my head. I just I haven't had the time or I've been working on other projects, but it's something I would like to come back to and do a third one. Um, I don't know how many more I'd do after a third one, but I, I feel like, I don't know, just, trilogies just feel right. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask you if that reason to go back to it is um, to kind of continue the story of Eskimo Bob since you're not making new episodes. Yeah, and I mean, that would be a fun way to... It, it's a, it is a fun way to kind of continue the story. And that's the thing, like, I, I wouldn't mind making another episode at some point, too. It's just it's just all the whole, you know, finding time kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's sort of the excuse everybody uses, I find. But, um... It just... I, there, there's just been... Especially when it comes to this, it's sort of something that sort of started out... Um, hobby level and where I'm doing it professionally now it's kind of it feels less like I'm taking a break now if I'm doing mm. it on a hobby level where it's professional it's kind of uh, kind of interesting that way because I used to work like I was working on a job where I was programming but um, I come home and I'd work on this but lately I now work from home so when I'm working from home you know it just feels more natural to work on the projects that, you know I'm kind of like I'd be being paid to work on or that or that yeah. sort of thing so uh, and plus I've been doing a lot more um, like collaboration work with uh, say like Interbang and, and, mm -hmm. and that stuff so but it's definitely something I want to do like I, I definitely have some, uh, I feel like I got a pretty good idea for the third game um, and it'd probably be a little bit Again, more platform, less puzzle. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think it'd be a. It, it almost, I think, be interesting to do it sort of like a, uh, like because right now it's kind of a collect. You know, it's you get that collectathon sort of feel mm -hmm. where you got to collect all the things to beat the level. But it'd be yeah. kind of interesting to just do this great big game that's like a uh, like a Metroidvania style thing. Except okay. you got to collect like. A couple thousand fish or something <laughs> it's like you just gotta get through the whole thing um i don't know how frustrating that would be or not but just be i don't know i'm just trying to think of ways to to play with the concept 
this one you're There's gonna see me cheese too. a lot <laughs> this guy's not the hard he's not that bad to cheese it's funny he's one of those things it's like it it looks kind of threatening at first until mm -hmm. you figure it out and then it's like yeah it's not bad <laughs> yeah so the first few times i played this one um because when you when you do uh shooters some some games um the uh the top and bottom where you have all these bricks sometimes those cause you damage like you can't run into them yeah. so at first i thought yeah. you couldn't do it so i was trying to either be super <laughs> far away so that i had more time to react or be super close so i could shoot lots of things and ultimately i you know this was the way i settled on that makes sense that's that's pretty much how i usually do it too um i think having the ability to cheese some of these guys is kind of nice too because mm -hmm. it's like when you don't know their pattern it feels hard then you figure it out yeah. and it's like okay i got it and uh i kind of like that and, and i kind of um i feel just boss enemies you can definitely see it in this game but like boss enemies in general you want to have a little bit more of a pattern that you need to learn yeah. to fight them um it's something i noticed in uh in mob brawl too where it's like you know i didn't want to have a whole bunch of enemies you just had a button mash to beat them like, yeah making it so the bosses had some sort of strategy was a little uh, just makes it more interesting and you made us up to this point think that uh fenton was uh, invincible and all of a sudden oh. snowballs <laughs> <laughs> was there any levels where he was the where there was bird poop in the level with him too because i think that hurts him but i can't remember if um I, I think there is but i don't think i ever got hit it's with easier the... to avoid, that's for sure. Yeah, I think well, I do have a warning though, where it's like Fenwood doesn't like snowballs or something. Yeah, it was in the beginning <laughs> of this episode. The signpost said that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the the bird poop from Maurice. Um, yes. In the Eskimo Bob, it's not as forgiving because it goes through everything. Like you can't stand yes. a brick; it just it'll hit you everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a uh, that's a difference also with this and the uh, and the compo version. The compo version has the uh, it has the uh, the platform penetrating burden. Mm. This one doesn't. So, although I think that only is like maybe two enemies in the compo, but it's, uh, <laughs> just one of those things. This it's funny. I never. This is another one of those examples of a room that. Uh, it will me it, it messes with some people because uh, I never really thought of it. Um, but then I watched some people playing this on stream, and they felt trapped in this room because they didn't think of uh, ducking and running. Oh, okay. And uh, so I think, yeah, it's like uh, now I'm interested to see when. Oh, you yeah, didn't I didn't duck. duck. And run. You, oh, you, you have go. a couple of these where yeah. it's kind of like you have to go all the way to the edge. There's a there's a yeah. some of those jumps. There is a few of those for sure. I'm actually I couldn't even remember if because uh, I remember somebody just being completely stuck and they reset <laughs> the game because they get so mm. frustrated in that room and I didn't even think of it as frustrating because if you uh, and I suppose doing like walking and ducking isn't normally a mechanic say in Mario yeah. or something but it's something that it's it's used a lot in this game and in the first Eskimo Bob so you have I think you have a signpost in one of them where it's like. It warns you because there's a jump you you must do and on a level not in a secret where you have to duck and jump because there's um a, a platform above you and it does tell oh, yeah, you yeah. yeah so that might be later though hands, but I think it I think it was in the third one I think it was underwater because mm. it was with those dis 
those uh, disappearing bricks. I think it, it just makes it a little easier to give yourself some clearance. This is just cruel. This level because like the oh. first level, the first one I'm telling you to build a bridge, and then if you build a bridge here, you trap yourself, and then you have to die. I don't know why I'm that cruel, well, but I did it. I'm glad. I'm glad you you admitted it. I don't get trapped here, but I struggle a lot with um, uh, not being hit by a yuck clone and building the bridge. Yeah, and you really don't even need to build much of a bridge because if you mm -hmm. uh, the the idea at first was just like okay, you can go get Magnus and he can jump high enough to get up there. Yeah, and uh, so it's like the it, it's <laughs> it, it is really kind of mean because it's like first I teach you to build a bridge, then I open this big room and make <laughs> it really hard to build the bridge in it, and you don't even need it. And if you actually build it, you're gonna trap yourself. So it's like, oh, I didn't even know you didn't need it. <laughs> I, I, no, you could like if you use uh, if you use Magnus, he can jump higher than yeah. Alfonso, so he can just jump out on this side. So you can just you just walk across, and then you come to the other side and you jump right out. And it's it's actually really quick if you do it that way. You're gonna just see me struggle doing this. <laughs> uh, see, that, that's the whole thing where it's like, yeah, it's intuitive to me, but is it intuitive to anybody else to uh, you know instruct you to do one thing and then do the exact opposite <laughs> in the next level. <laughs> But yeah, I, and two, I think those uh, those yacht clones can be one of the more frustrating enemies because they're not quite as predictable as uh, yeah. I mean, they have they have a pattern, but they're they're hoppy. So oh, there you go. So you got to before trapping mm -hmm. yourself. And actually, that was another running change. The very first run, I didn't have that hole because I was thinking, oh well, people can kill themselves with that yuck clone. But if mm -hmm. the yuck clone's trapped outside of the ice and doesn't die, then it yeah. soft, lo soft locks you. So the just, the yuck clones aren't so thing. bad. Um, the in the first one, the alien businessmen were more frustrating because you couldn't um, couldn't kill them. Uh, they only kind of um, become um, yeah. So they, they're a little more aggressive. They kind of deflect. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little bit annoying. There's more enemies in the first one that you couldn't kill, too. Um, and I think because of the respawning mechanic, I didn't really think about it as much. Mm -hmm. You have my, my dry bones rip-offs here. Um... <laughs> These guys can be kind of annoying because they'll snipe you from off-screen. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing... Um... I, I don't show in here, but people can search on the stuff. I didn't want to show it, but there you do have warps in the game. Uh, pretty well hidden, I think. Yeah, yeah. I just I wanted to have things like that just to put in a little bit of replay, like speedrunner value. Um, it's funny because the game is so much bigger feeling than the first game, mm -hmm. but you can also beat it a lot quicker. <laughs> and, and it's because of having those warps and stuff. Like, um... I mean, I haven't. I'm not like a serious speedrunner. It's like my own game or whatever. Like I can get through this game in under 15 minutes. And wow. uh, the first one, you know, takes me more like it takes probably more like I don't know, 45 minutes or something because I have mm -hmm. to go through every single level. So, so, uh, but it's just that's that's what the warp zone thing does. I wanted to have something like that, sort of like the. Uh, the first Super Mario Brothers, where you know someone's a someone's a pro, they can beat it in five minutes, but it still <laughs> feels like a way bigger game than a regular black box game. So. so I was able to figure out with with 
all these enemies. But what is that evil Kevin? What kind of animal is that? <laughs> okay. I'm like, is it a bear? But no, it doesn't look like a bear. a bear. Is it a big groundhog? <laughs> it's supposed to be a bear. Okay. Um, there's a uh, there's a character in one of the later episodes, and his name's Kevin the Bear. Okay. And he's kind of like, uh, it's almost like a Teddy Ruxpin thing. Um, he doesn't really look like this at all. But I kind of I made the polar bear enemy, mm -hmm. and then I thought, okay, I'll just make a uh, I'll make a brown version of him in a cave, and uh, then calling it Evil Kevin was just I was just trying to think of silly names at the end of the game for characters, and I just thought. I was like, okay, do I have any bears in the cartoon? And there was Kevin the bear, so I was like, okay, uh, evil Kevin. It's just, it just sounded funny to me. <laughs> like, even little things like, um, I'm trying to think of some of the weird names I had. Like some of them, I intentionally tried to make them sound like badly translated Japanese. Um, so it was. I, I'm trying to think. Um, I wrote them oh, down. Think, yeah, there's the spider I called Cloud. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of the one of the things because kumo is the word for both mm -hmm. spider and cloud in Japanese. So. The, the skeleton you got, uh, den denbon. Uh, yeah, denbon because um, that was because the level where I think the level was introduced it says dem bones. Mm -hmm. So then I wrote denbon to try to make it look like a bad translation of dem bones. Um, I don't know. I just I wanted to make it a little bit quirky and weird, kind of like um some of the roll calls and some other games where you'd have a a name here or there that was like that just sounds a little bit off i, I always kind of like that so so what's the deal with goat sandwiches or <laughs> yeah goat sandwiches <laughs> the, the goat sandwich that's from the uh that's from the cartoon as well <laughs> there's a uh, there's uh, there's actually kind of uh like a uh an ongoing like three or four episode story about a uh, about a goat sandwich <laughs> so, <laughs> that that takes place um in uh, i think it's like episode like 32 to 36 mm -hmm. or something there's there's this there's a goat and then he, he gets made into a sandwich and then the, it's it's yuck controls the goat and uh, it uses it for evil, and it's like flying around destroying things. So that's where the goat sandwich comes from. It's a uh... <laughs> one of these things that uh, I, I definitely put things in there uh, inside jokes that only uh, like fans of the original cartoon would get because it's like, you look at the goat sandwich. I know most people when they played it. Um, they're saying that like what is that thing is it a crab like they're trying to figure <laughs> out like what this like tiny pixelated thing is and you look at the credits this is goat sandwich and that, <laughs> that really doesn't help me but uh if you were to uh look at the character it, it's actually a pretty good representation of it <laughs> um if you see the episode so what, what was um the reception like from the fans of the Flash cartoon series? Did you get a lot of feedback from them or um, anything about these being games being released? Yeah, I think a lot of people... Um, it's funny because it was something I think a lot of people hadn't thought of in a while. And um, it's just nice seeing the, like, you know, the comments are like, whoa, Eskimo Bob, that is something I have not heard of in a long time. <laughs> um, you know, and this, I think just seeing that like okay well you know here's this flash cartoon that i watched when i was in junior high school and now there's a 
an NES game of it. Like, it's just <laughs> <laughs> something that doesn't necessarily <laughs> make sense. This here is probably my favorite boss fight. Mm. Um, I, I've thought of just of expanding on this and just releasing it as a little mini game. Yeah, I, I could see that if you had a, a larger play field or yeah, a l- larger play field. Maybe make it match three instead of match two, mm-hmm. or have um, like get rid of the boss mechanic from it even and have it. Um, I don't know. I, I just it was. A, I I thought it was kind of a fun. I, I just thought it would be kind of fun to like, okay, well now it's a puzzle game. Like, <laughs> um, and just also with the, uh, with some of the other bosses with like the, uh, that snowflake, I just wanted to have bosses that like switched up the genre a bit. Yeah. Just to kind of mix things up. So the whole thing didn't feel, um, feel the same. Cause that was definitely a weakness in the first one where it's like the bosses were all, they were all the same. It wasn't even a very strong mechanic. It was just, it was what it was. Well, you you utilized um, all the characters fight a boss at least once, and it's based around you know their attack. And you're like, well, how yeah, what can Magnus exactly. do? And this was a, a good um, tactic where you can use his mechanic. Yeah, exactly. Because I wanted to think of something that was different than just um, like I could have gone with the whole you know spaceship that you have to punch. Mm-hmm reference the first one but i wanted to do something completely different so and even the music like i used the bonus level music in there because i just thought it was a sillier fight and I yeah. wanted, instead of using because i had a, i have a couple other boss teams i use but that's the only one i use like the bonus thing because i just thought i just wanted to keep it light keep it light and silly <laughs> it's actually funny too now that i'm thinking about it because you fight the easter bunny in this game and you also mm-hmm. beat up the easter bunny in mall brawl Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, it's funny too. Now, um, just thinking of that because in the uh, there's an ar- the uh, arcade level, I put a uh, Eskimo Bob arcade machines in the background, um, in Mall Brawl, and uh, there's a few people I noticed, um, and I don't think they knew about these games, but they were like, they they saw that there was an Eskimo Bob arcade machine in Mall Brawl, and they're like, whoa, that is a like a really deep cut you're going back to like 2001's Newgrounds wondering like why this reference is there it's uh it's just kind of funny well this was uh I I think this part here is uh this was my most trying to make a a convoluted secret entrance (laughs) uh, but at the same time it's a little bit obvious (laughs) if you do pay attention which I, I didn't notice until I played through. You, if you look, you can see where all the doors are. They're not yeah, exactly. completely hidden. Yeah, I put the little tiny corners in there. And if you play on a CRT, it masks it more than it does mm-hmm. on a uh, on a modern display, too. But that was just something. I just thought it'd be kind of cute just to give you a little tiny bit of an indicator. Yeah. Kind of like... Uh, you know, kind of like if you're looking for bomb um, walls in any Zelda game past the first one, where you can see some cracks. Uh, it's not quite as obvious as that, but I wanted to give a little bit of an indicator. And uh, sometimes, too, like if it's, you know, if you've got that and it's surrounded by other blocks, it's a little harder to notice than, say, if it's just out in the open. Um, 
This is the one about the disappearing blocks where you'll see me struggle yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is an example of what I was saying before. It's like, okay, I'll give you a shortcut, but I'm not going to make it easy on you. <laughs> um, so it's like you can get to the and there's that sort of that cruel trick in the uh, the last level too. If somebody collected yep. all the fish, that they're going to hit a dead end and they don't they can't even fight the boss. So I have fallen fallen for that in this playthrough that we're watching. You know, I successfully take the alternate <laughs> path, but. You gave me that sign. It's like, oh, don't be greedy. I'm like, what, whatever's that about? Oh, and I just yeah. trapped myself. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, I just, I just put myself through hell, and it's for nothing. Oh <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there's something. Yeah, there you go. There's a, another example of the plot. <laughs> to the pattern of them is very. Um, it's not entirely intuitive. It's not like they just go, you know, like yeah. in a row, like. It's kind of like boom, 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 boom. So, uh, I, uh, I, which um, I obviously did on purpose. Um, yeah. Moving to, uh, left to right on the same uh, level is not a problem because the next block it always appears next to the one that disappeared. But when you're jumping from one bank to the other, then it's like, yeah. I can't plan this. <laughs> yeah, it makes it... Uh, this one, too, I just kind of... It's almost just like a, you know, you got to get through as fast as you can, otherwise the timing's bad. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things, it's sort of a uh, a simple mechanic. I don't know. I don't know. Some of them, it's kind of like I try to lay a trap for the player. It's like, did it work? I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those things, it's, it's, it's weird when trying to design anything puzzly, because... It's it's sometimes it's hard to to uh, make a puzzle if you already know the solution to it. Yeah. So it's like then you don't really know how good of a puzzle it is till you get someone else to try to figure it out. Um. And then just where all the characters have a bit more of that combat in them, it's uh, it was a lot easier to excuse me to lean on that uh that combat base. Yeah, for the the puzzles or when you're getting feedback, it's 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 hard too because you can't always rely on one person. So um, I play yeah, I play true. test some for some homebrewers, and you know I'll tell them oh I or they'll watch my feedback like oh I and they're like oh I guess I have to make that more obvious and I'm like um, I struggled with it but you know don't get another opinion because maybe it's just not obvious to me. Yeah, like, and I think. Uh... Some of it too, like this game, it has a lot of hints, and the hints where well, the first one had no hints at all. So I think yeah. that inherently kind of makes it feel more puzzly when you're not being constantly dropped hints, like you know, yeah, hey, watch for this or whatever, because that can uh, that can almost make it a little bit too easy at times. <laughs> that was that was a great tap. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. The, and the, the puzzle difference between the first and the second one, you switch characters more. Even there's only two characters, or one, as much as I played for uh, Bob and, and Alfonso, the levels you could switch between them many times to, to find your solution, whereas in Alfonso, you might switch twice in a level. Yeah, that's true. And I think, I don't know, there's just something... Um... Even with the level design, I think I tried to make the levels look more like uh, more like terrain than uh, mm. 
puzzle. Like a lot of the levels in the first game were uh, like they'd be shaped like a word or a, trying to make a picture or something. Yeah. Um, and I, I did that a lot in the first game. I didn't really do that so much in this one, or it was more just kind of like building terrain. Yeah. Um, and I think some of it might just be the graphical style where I kind of, you know, it's uh, just a little bit upgraded from the original. So it's, uh, it just kind of. It's just kind of how I felt like doing it. And as well, too, like, there's a lot more levels in this one. Um, and I mean, even, like, the first one, there's, like, 64 levels in the game. And I mean, that's that's a pretty decent number of levels. <laughs> and then I, I thought with the sequel, like, okay, I got to make more. Um, so, because, I don't know, there's something about making a sequel that has the same number of levels. You kind of want to push it a little further. Yeah. So, so this one, I think... I, what is there? There's like 90, I think. Close to 100 if you count the secret areas. It's it, where, where there are the secret areas and stuff, it makes it a little bit iffier. Like, what counts as a level? Does a boss fight? Does a, does a secret area? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's about, the, you know, more or less 90-ish. I think there's 95. Yeah, there's 95 of the fish because there's one of those new level plus each secret area. I do, I do appreciate that. Um, I touched upon it a couple times, but I do appreciate that the games play differently. So you, you can tell this is a sequel to Eskimo Bob. You know the 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 character, uh, the the source is the same, uh, similar look. You know they play similar in a, in a way, but a lot of times people are like, with a sequel, they're like, oh, I like the the first one so much, I just want more of that. And you could have easily just made a hundred more levels of Eskimo Bob. But the different strategy gives me, like, I can clearly think, oh, I feel like playing Eskimo Bob, or I feel like playing Alfonso's Adventure, because they, they ultimately do play differently. Yeah, and you kind of get that, say, with the... Um, I think a lot of NES games actually did a pretty good job of that, mm -hmm. where you have, um, say, like, the uh, the Super Mario Brothers games, you know, if you count... Um, if you count it as we saw it here, as uh, like the Super Mario mm -hmm. One, Two, and Three, they're all the three of them are very different games. Yeah. Um, as opposed to in Japan, where the second one was just kind of like hard mode level yeah. path for the first one, and uh, I think it that actually put a lot more replay value into like all three of those games because each have a unique experience, um, as opposed to say. Uh, the Mega Man games were. Yeah. I feel like playing Mega Man. I'm gonna play Mega Man two or three, and like, and the rest of them I kind of like. I might play them once in a while, but then it's like, yeah, I'm gonna go back to the one that I really liked because they're all extreme. Like they're they are kind of more of that sort of level pack idea where they they maybe add one new mechanic per game, and uh, and that was about it. That's that's um. I guess it's true because out of the six Mega Mans. I really like number two. I'll play number two. I'll never really play three that much because I find it just way too similar to two. But I'll play four because it, it's different. You know, you have the charge mechanic. Um, I guess two and four I would play the most. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's just kind of that thing where it's like, you know, you have, uh, if it's, if it's, too similar a lot of the time you kind of fall into that like okay well i'll play it once and then but it, it doesn't at first you think okay i, I want to play more of the same but then if it's mm -hmm. not different enough it's not as engaging so you want to give yourself something else to do 
Um, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing every time you <laughs> That one was pretty great, too. <laughs> well, like, uh, I recorded this once before this, and uh, I was pretty happy with it, but I'm like, ah, oh, you know what, I'll play through it again so I can cut down the amount of deaths. So if I played the other one, you'd probably be laughing a lot more, because <laughs> I think um, I cut off about 18 minutes of play oh, in this session, so... That's a lot of a lot of deaths that I cut out. Yeah, <laughs> this section's pretty funny. I thought because where I added sort of at the top of the screen mm -hmm. those uh, the spikes, but you can never reach them. So it's, oh, I was like, kind of, I'm always so yeah. careful. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so like, I don't know. It just kind of like artificially makes you careful when it's mm -hmm. like you can't actually reach them, and uh, it just makes it feel more threatening to see spikes at the top of the screen. It's basically why I put them there. <laughs> it feels more like a boss level. This one, this now, this guy, the first run of the carts, there was a glitch with him too. And it was, uh, it was like this really oddly specific glitch where if you hit him, on the exact frame that one of his little guys was respawning, mm -hmm. uh, it would lock the game. <laughs> it was like, I can't even remember what caused it, but it was just one of these really weird, oddly specific things, because it's like the game was checking to make sure all the enemies are off screen, but there's another mm -hmm. enemy that spawned exactly at that frame. Um, I haven't run into that, and I'm assuming yeah. I have a first run, because this is, I'm playing on the limited edition um, Kickstarter one. Well, it's funny because this is something I actually noticed while I was shipping them out. So it oh, made okay. like because where you've got that hole, I think I fixed it where that hole was in the ground. Because mm. um, if that hole, I think because I actually went through and reflashed all the ones that I hadn't shipped yet because I was that bothered with it. And I mm. mean, we're talking, you know, I mean, it's so oddly, like weirdly specific that you have to, you know, kill an enemy exactly as another enemy is respawning, which the odds of that is. Like, I didn't run into it so <laughs> I was testing. But I really early on, um, someone was streaming the ROM and uh, ran into it, and I, uh, I went through and changed it. <laughs> there was that, there was that hole, and I can't And uh, I, I honestly probably should, if I was a nice person, put some sort of version number on the title screen or something for... <laughs> and for um, you know so that people can tell it apart but it's like no there's just this slightly different version of the ROM and it's like it's it's in the same production run even it just happened to be I shipped it two days earlier <laughs> now you're gonna have uh, Bo searching for this uh, mysterious uh, first release uh, with a graphic <laughs> with a glitch in the game, <laughs> yeah, and then trying to trigger this glitch that you know, to do it, you probably have to go into an emulator and like set the frame skip to like certain frames. <laughs> this one is a little, this level is a little bit more similar to Eskimo Bob in a sense, it is, but you can see too the design of it. It's like I, I tried to make it look like a yuck face, yeah. Um, it's like, so it has that, like, you know, I'm drawing a picture and uh, trying to get people to. And it's funny because this wasn't actually one of the earlier levels that I designed. It was just, it was, uh, you know, 
I think it, honestly, it was like I got to this point and thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna start trying to get a little bit more puzzly, because there's a few more of those puzzly levels in this, just in the castle area and stuff in general too. Or just some, uh, I don't know, other things to, to try to frustrate people too. <laughs> so the character, the girl. And I don't think it aligns. I think I looked up the dates, but I was like, you know, and then she has this phrase, she's like, my steel. And I'm like, I wonder if this is based off Kill Bill. Blonde hair. She has a, a sword, but then I think I looked at the dates and I think yours uh, predates uh, Kill Bill. <laughs> yeah, it might. I'm trying to think. She was, uh, let me think. I mean, the name, the girl, it was basically <laughs> because we, like, her character originally, it was just like there was a Valentine's episode. And mm -hmm. we just okay, we'll have a girl that Bob's interested in or whatever. And then we never actually gave her a name. It was just like a one-shot character. And I got my sister to be like, to say Teehee. And that was, <laughs> like, that was the whole thing. Um, so then people were asking like, where's the girl? We need the girl back. <laughs> uh, so, because she didn't have a name, because it was, it was just sort of a, like, we'll show her for 12 seconds character. Um, but people were asking for her back. So, that's what um, episode 26 we called it the return of the girl <laughs> ever actually gave her a name and she was actually like an important character in that episode but it was just kind of like okay she doesn't have a name she's too cool for a name like they don't need to know her name she's she's that cool is how we thought of it <laughs> I don't know um, but then it's funny when this came out there's uh, like I think it's just you know it's uh it's not 2001, so people think about stuff differently. So there's a few people that are like, wow, he didn't even name the female character. He literally <laughs> just called her the girl. What's up with this? <laughs> it's like, that it's is... like it, it wasn't actually meant to be, you know. It was because the attention at first was almost like, okay, it's like, it was almost to keep her mysterious. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, she's too cool for a name. She's like, we just know her as she is. But, uh, do you, do you get um, many comments about that, like, people that are watching this series now, um, do you get comments about the material or anything, instead of from the fans that watch it back in the day? Uh, I mean, there's there's some people, it's funny, like, there's, there's people who will who will, uh, you know, send me comments or something, who, like, weren't even born when it came out, and that's what I think is funny. <laughs> it's like, um, because it's it's like you know when I see someone and they have two thousand six in their username, then it's like okay, well they're they're a teenager <laughs> and they're they're commenting on my on something that I made in two thousand one, like so it's it, it's it's pretty funny to see that because it's gonna and I think too it's like it's not necessarily like a lot of the references and jokes in it were not so much like it was more just sort of random silliness and a lot of yeah. it was kind of just a lot of it even was just like inside jokes between me and my brother and our, our friends and it was like okay we're just going to like put an inside joke in here um that nobody else but us understands so it just comes off like to other people as like this complete non sequitur um and then it just kind of becomes funny because it is and I, th I think that was something that um, it happened a lot. Because it's just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like, um, 
I know that I'm in on this joke. Other people don't know about it, but people would ask questions. Like I would put character. Like there was some. There was these characters. The uh, they're called the Colorins, and they just show up at the end of this one episode, and they're like, "We're the Colorins." Okay, well, bye. <laughs> so, so and I and I don't even explain it, but it's it, there were these sort of and and it was based on these little uh, crafts that my brother and I made, and we like these little kind of figures we made out of toilet paper tubes when we were kids, and uh, we had kind of made our own little. This, and this is when we were maybe 10 years old, just, just playing around, making crafts with construction paper and toilet paper tubes. So it's like kind of throwing a reference to something like that, obscurely weird. And then people watching it in like 2001 were like, well, who are these characters? We need to know more about them. What are they from? And to me, it was just kind of hilarious because I'm like, it's, it's something I, you know, made out of construction paper when I was 10. <laughs> so... I did. I did like this fake out here where you fight yes. the, the mid boss, and like when I got to it, I'm like, "Oh, that's it!" And then I was like, "Oh, there it is." And then these are where yeah. your uh, the harder levels happen. Yeah, and I almost kind of wish I had made a few more of the harder levels, but uh, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. It's hard to judge what's hard or not when I'm making it, and and a lot of it too. Some of the the very last levels that I designed weren't even at the end of the game. It's kind of like I would make the levels and uh, and then just sort of think, okay, that wasn't as hard as I thought, so I'm just going to shuffle that in here somewhere and move one of the other ones up towards the end. So there was definitely a, a very deliberate um, shuffling of, you know, this level is hard, this level's not, um, that kind of thing. We have uh, two levels coming up where these are going to be my frustration where I'm like, Tom, and it's this one. <laughs> and I think it's, uh, I think it's the last one. Where I promise. But, you know. Yeah. It's like just these, uh, yeah, this one's fun. This one is very, I think too, in line with the uh, first game. This is and the, kind the, of the not getting to this point and avoiding the narwhal. It's getting on, the second, yeah, the bottom it's, run, and it's these snow yeah. blocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I feel like this is the sort of thing that was more of a challenge that would have been in line with what I would have put in the first game. Even though I didn't have that disappearing block mechanic, it just, I think having the narwhals, having the, uh, having that other stuff going on, it just, oh, you got through it, not too bad. Well, yeah, because this, this, this was the uh, the second playthrough that I recorded. The first <laughs> one, you see me die, like, eight times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this level, I remember uh, feeling pretty proud of, proud of myself about the little galaxy swirls in the sky. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to see, I think you're going to see me die a couple times with, like, timing... Uh, Fenton up these stairs. <laughs> oh, sorry, not Fenton. Fenwood. Uh, Fenwood I call him Fenton. Yeah. Fenton this whole time. It's, now that that character's name—that's actually like that's the name of uh, a street that's sort of like around the corner from where I grew up. It was just it was called Fenwood Drive, and I always just thought it was a funny name because the uh, like the uh, the like the subdivision or whatever it was called fernwood estates mm. but then the street was named fenwood drive and i always just kind of assumed when i was a kid that they made a typo on the street sign and just never bothered to fix it so we just named the care i named the character after that sign because <laughs> i thought it was funny 
but again that's the sort of thing that's like that's a really inside joke that unless you you know grew up living near my parents house you wouldn't understand it <laughs> i think um haunted halloween they kind of um they insert a lot of uh, local jokes in their game as well uh being yeah. in, uh, pittsburgh uh, pittsburgh i think it's an easy thing to do although i think if it's even if it's in pittsburgh you probably get a lot wider of an audience <laughs> than uh than living in like rural nova scotia like, <laughs> it's like you put things that are a reference to a community of you know that's like a few thousand people it's uh... but, it's just, uh... but there's there's just always that hometown pride no matter how big you are yeah where you're where you're from is you want to put something to reference your hometown i think yeah, I guess probably everyone has something in, the, in my hometown. I don't know if this is how common it is, but usually what you call your business district is usually like downtown. But yeah. for whatever reason, in my hometown, uptown. And I don't know why, okay. but that's what it's called, right. uptown. <laughs> yeah, because we get we get downtown. I always thought it was downtown. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's where, you know, like you got the kind of little, that's where you get your comic book shop and the, all that kind of stuff. You know, or your—it's uh, kind of where you get like the, the the locally owned shops more so than the big box stores. If that makes sense. That's what I think of when I think of downtown. I think I think it was called uptown because I think there's an elevation change. I think it's a it's a higher uh, elevation. Yeah, that that might, it's sense. very subtle, you know. Um, but that's the only thing I can think of why it's called uptown. Well, there's a lot of downtowns here, kind of near waterfronts and stuff like that. But... I don't know. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe it really is. <laughs> because, like, I'm thinking we've got downtown that's near the river, and then you got up the hill, and that's kind of where the rich people live. I don't know. <laughs> that's just what it is. So we're getting close to the end here. Yep. Actually, this is pretty good. You haven't uh, haven't game over and, and done the whole uh, my yeah. extremely cruel uh, trick of. Uh, getting rid of all of your uh... you do see it i i get to the final boss and i game over i almost uh... made it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the the whole golden fish collection honestly that that's something i feel like i should have done better um but it was kind it literally was just kind of an afterthought it wasn't something that i originally was planning for it was more, originally those were just kind of like okay i'll have a one up at each level and then i thought having this like this entire game long um, collection thing thought that could be kind of fun but um, I didn't have the mechanic of being able to re-enter levels and then we didn't and I think there was some kind of reason why I didn't have that um, some sort of limitation like I didn't use any um, like it's where it was just uh, color dreams I was basically using like every available bite in mm. way so i just didn't have so to have that check to see if the level is beat or not i think i just was out of space for it and uh then uh it was it does make it more of a challenge yeah, if you want to do the all fish weird. yeah it makes the all fish challenge a lot harder um and then the, the game over thing i think I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, yeah, I should just make it 
kill your fish count because there's no i felt like there was no punishment for getting a game over where you had the continue option i was like i gotta give something so it's not even a real punishment it's more just like a a moral like something to demoralize you a little bit or something i don't know (laughs) but then there's a lot of people i noticed too they'd be like okay i am never gonna try that (laughs) that uh 95 fish challenge because Oh, that's what it is, 95? I thought it was, yeah, uh, like... I thought it was going to be 100. Yeah. Oh, uh, 95 fish. Yeah. I think it gives you a percentage at the end. Yeah, it no. gives you a percentage at the end. But there's there's 95 total. It, it shows you on the map screen how many you have. Like, right now you got 50 hmm. of 95. So it's... And then it gives you the percentage, which... I mean, I don't think I've seen a playthrough that hasn't said 0%. <laughs> which it's I think a lot of it is just to do with like it's um the continue option is forgiving enough that it's like you don't feel that you know you don't feel like oh man I lost all my fish I better go get my old password because that's really all it would take yeah but I think um because you're seeing more and more speedrunners pay attention to homebrews you may see that in the future where someone's the the category is all fish or something that's true and there is actually a little bit of a reward if you collect all fish this um, is my other level that i was like Thomas. <laughs> yeah this one i was this one i specifically was like okay this is the last level before the final boss i need to be mean and do something relatively cruel here so and then I thought having 95 fish would be kind of fun because that's how many goldfish are in the whole game, so I'd make a level that has that many regular fish. Kind of tie it all together. I don't know. Yeah, those little spirit things are annoying because it's kind of like you get the fly mechanic, but then you can't kill it. <laughs> and the flies are annoying enough as it is because they're the Medusa head mechanic. So it's like, I think these have a wider path. They're a little more swoopy. I think I was just proud of myself that I figured out that kind of sign curve. (laughs) (laughs) Had to use it. And it's kind of like, okay, you did it once, now now do it again. (laughs) And this one's a little bit more... This one's a a harder section because... uh... Yeah, it's a little bit less... um, it's a little bit less nice in the placement of the disappearing bricks. Oh! <laughs> I'm pretty sure I get down to one life when I enter the boss, so you're going to see uh, two more deaths. Oh, that's not that bad. Yeah. And that's something, too. I think the first game, uh, I don't think I had a continue option. I think you had to choose the password. And people just yeah. got a little bit annoying when they were dying to, uh, to have to go to the title screen. Especially against the final boss. I know a lot of people played through the whole thing, and then, you know, they, they just drained all their lives at that final boss. And then I had that cruel life counter, and... Uh, it doesn't even show the proper ending if you don't get a hundred, if you have if you died more than a hundred times. Oh. So it's like I have this. Uh, so I'm not sure what what your death count was last time you played or anything, but there's there's sort of a uh, 
And then there's a no death ending as well, which is just like a single line of text. <laughs> Someone's like, "That's it." <laughs> Pretty much, like it says like, "You are cool" or something like that. Like it's like... Well, that is the ultimate uh, uh, tribute to the to the show. Then, yeah, exactly. That's Bob is cool. <laughs> it's like I think it's like perfect. You are cool, and that's like all it says. And other than that, it's the regular, the regular ending scene. But if you've died more than a hundred times, you don't get to see the, the scene where you save the steel. It just shows it, it just shows the credit roll without um, without some of the more interesting parts. So I don't know. I'm not I kinda liked it at the time, but I'm not sure how much of a fan I am of the of the punishing ending. I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth on how I feel about that kind of stuff. There you go. <laughs> Here we go. Into the, the final boss. <laughs> it's kind of like I do something that punishes people once, and then I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I feel like doing that again. Like, you gotta think of new ways to do it. I don't know. There's always two the people, like, I did it, then they complain about it, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that Kind of like with, uh, with Mall Brawl, it was definitely the shopping cart level. Um... That wasn't so bad, you know. It's it was more forgiving than um, like battle toads or anything. Yes. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, like the, uh, I don't know if you saw the Nintendo Life review of that game. That was like the first big review site to review a game that I had released. <laughs> that was the first thing. That was the first review I saw, and then they like gave it six out of ten, and it was basically they're like, it's a good game, but there's the shopping carrot level was such a bad level that there's. <laughs> patched out of the game entirely or I was like oh. <laughs> it's like I, I'm, st I'm stuck I'm stuck in Malvar right now I have to go back to it I'm stuck at the end where it's like basically the boss rush oh I'm yeah. like I'm like oh you <laughs> yeah. actually now that that one you can blame uh Justin who was like <laughs> was my partner Justin from Interabang he was my partner for that game and he uh he was the one who said like okay I think we should like originally it did have like it would save a chapter nine and right mm -hmm. before we put the game out he's like you know what I think we should make people do the boss rush again and I'm like are you sure he's like you know what I, I think I don't think on the NES they would have let you keep fighting the same boss I think they would <laughs> Do the bus rush, the boss, the, the boss rush again. <laughs> it's hard to say that. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, he's like, I just think that the final boss is too easy, and you need. To, and he was. It's funny because I always found that last fight with the Shadow Jane Bob to be like, as far as the regular like melee fight, <laughs> it to me it's the most challenging one, and that's how I wanted to make it. But he thought it was too easy, and. Uh, <laughs> It's funny, but that's the whole different perspective thing. So that's where we get. So it, it turned into well, we'll make the we'll make them do that boss rush again, which just happens to be like you know because it's all bosses. It's like the longest level in the game. So that's like ten minutes of gameplay that you got to replay if you die at the boss. Um, but that's how it shipped. It is what it is. I don't know. I'm okay with it. And then there's uh. So you haven't beat it yet, because there's also a hard mode when you beat that game. Mm. So, which is a, uh, which was again that that was kind of the made for me, where it was like, okay, I can get through the whole game in like a half hour. I need something that's gonna take me some time. So I kind of just like, 
I, I developed, I made this hard mode. I was like, how long is this going to take me? And it took me about five hours to get through it. I was like, okay, perfect. <laughs> I, can, I can see the need for it because like, even though I'm struggling with the end, it is forgiving because um, you got the two characters you can flip between, they regenerate their health. Um, exactly. And that's the biggest part of, you no longer have the health regeneration. So that that's taken away from <laughs> you in hard mode as well as different enemy placement, that kind of stuff. So, but it, it it, uh, it changes it up. So I always the... like this, this ending. Oh, it's yeah. The, the very traditional, you know, um, you beat the game, now you walk left until you <laughs> get to the start. <laughs> I'm always a fan of those. Honestly, it's it, looking back on it, this is like the most cliched ending for an NES game. <laughs> walk left till you get back to the start of the game, and then there's the enemy roll call. <laughs> but you know there's something to be said about it too lurching yeah like just little things like that I don't know why I put that L there or uh Purin and Neneki I don't even remember what that means but I, I called them that Sir Statue it's very uh, uh that's kind of Kirby-ish sounding <laughs> Anglerette. That was a good one. <laughs> Such a stupid name. <laughs> oh, man. The funny thing about angler and anglerette, like, I don't know how much you know about anglerfish biology, but the large ones are the females and the little oh, ones really? are the male. <laughs> so it's like I call it an angler and then I call the little ones <laughs> anglerettes. But biologically, those would be the male ones. So it's just, yeah. And there's so the, I showed on there the, um, you give the boss rush a password. So I don't know if you want me to kind of out or leave it, but yeah, I mean, we could do the boss rush if you want to. No, I meant uh, to leave it there so that people they have oh, the password. Sure, it doesn't matter. They can they, you can have the password. There's a couple other secret passwords in there too. I don't know if anyone's seen them yet, but there's the one. There's you beat boss rush 100. percent There's a there's a code, and mm -hmm. then there's another one when you. Uh, um, beat the game with 100% fish. So I think, or the boss rush is boss rush with no deaths, and beat the game with all fish. And there's like two other passwords for like other other modes. I don't know if anyone's unlocked those yet or not. I don't know. But uh, that's stuff that's in there. So people want to know they can try it out boss rush 100% might be a little more attainable <laughs> or uh, without deaths boss rush with no deaths probably the more attainable of the two like quickly but but yeah that's it it's awesome oh. it's a fun game and people can still still get it um you're still selling it uh digitally um i think you still have alfonso for sale on your website I uh, no, I'm out of I'm I'm all out. Um, I might do another production or at some point. I was I'm kind I've been kind of toying with the idea of uh, of like a two pack cart that has both of the games. Okay. I think I think that'd be a cool thing. Um, but uh, haven't actually gotten around to it yet. Um, because it you know costs some money. Might have to do pre orders and do an interest check for it or something. Cause just uh, you know. Funding a cart run up front can be a little, little pricey, but uh, yeah, that just is what it is. I think I think most people are know that kind of thing, but uh, 
I might wait till uh I was thinking of waiting once uh once Paul's boards are ready. Um the uh multi mapper boards or whatever, then maybe I can uh sort of squash both games into a larger ROM and uh do something like that. But uh but until then, I mean it's there's uh there's a digital version on Steam. There's a uh or there's the ROM like it's on steam and uh itch.io both and you get the rom either way um so so i mean so whether you'd rather play it with the you know the the uh unity emulator that i put together or if you just mm -hmm. want to put the rom on a flash card or however you want to do it the options are all there um there's some some console ports that should be coming out soonish. I don't know exactly when yet, but it's going to be coming out on Switch and Xbox. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, so that's cool. Um so those should come out next few months or so. Um I've been uh been working on those as well, so I'll uh, I'll be announcing a uh, a release date when that happens. Um so Yeah, there was originally going to be a 3DS version um which uh strangely enough it was a lot harder to work with 3ds hmm. so i've and the law lo the longer it gets um the less motivation i have to try to release something on 3ds right now in uh, 2021 it feels almost redundant so and i that, that would be that would be pretty cool to do but um i can understand it's like the 3ds is really at the end of its life yeah it's kind of like if I already have the game running on Switch, do I need it on 3DS? Like, do most people who had a 3DS have a Switch at this point? Probably. I don't know. Um, I'll. Pro I know there were some people because it was mentioned as a stretch goal in the Kickstarter. So, mm -hmm. I'll. I will. Uh, I'll probably have to message some people and see. Although a lot of those people already have a like a Steam code or something at this point too. So, I mean, everybody has been given the game in some form. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the the idea I had of like, okay, I'll just put an NES emulator on uh, 3DS and uh, and run it was uh, easier said than done. <laughs> and plus, I know like new 3DS is supposed to support Unity, so I was like, okay, I'll just put the Unity version on there. And uh, it's uh didn't work out quite like I thought it would. There are a lot more limitations than I expected for 3DS. So <laughs> there is, and I watched a video recently that discusses it, like how what the strengths of the 3ds are like how it does so much with little tech and but then how those limitations are and it comes down to the the dual screens and they operate differently between their their 2d and 3d graphics yeah so it's uh yeah it's an interesting system it's it's cool having like i i have the dev unit it was it's been fun to use it you know i'm i'm not saying i'll never do it but i i it almost got to the more i felt like if I was going to do this rather than have it run through an emulator, it would make more sense to do a port and then, but that's going to take a lot more time. So yeah. then it was like, well, I can, you know, I like, I can get, uh, I have access to be able to do it on say Xbox. Um, like I applied for Xbox. I was accepted for Xbox to do Alfonso and then I got access to, uh, to be able to do it for switch as well. Um, so those those are uh those are coming um 
hopefully soon. Um, I'm basically like, as far as from the code perspective, I'm basically done. Um, just have a few more, a couple of minor little things that I got to figure out with the Xbox version. But once it's ready, I'll uh, I'll pull the trigger on both of them and uh, let people know. But uh, yeah, the um, the 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 sequel that you may do. So it's a um, trilogy. If you did go with something, you're saying Metrovania, 3DS with that the the double screen and map and everything, but it's a lot of work and Maybe. it's a ways out. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, and I'm not even 100 percent sure if I was going to go Metroidvania, but I just thought it'd be kind of be a, a weird idea to be like, what what would a Metroidvania puzzle puzzle platformer be like? <laughs> like it's just kind of, um, it would, like I almost had sort of an idea of like you'd it would still keep that kind of um two screen puzzle area mechanic but then instead of having an actual map like you have to you know you just walk to the next screen but then you might have to backtrack if you get a different character with an ability that was in a, that you couldn't get through a door in a previous screen or something i don't know like there's a i'll give all the ideas out because i got some other mechanics involved but i just think it'd be a cool twist for this type of game i'm not really sure if it's been done quite like that um but i don't know it's just something i've been thinking about <laughs> so um anything else planned for um the series are you going to go back to the cartoon or it's really you're maybe looking for that that last game i mean i i'd love to do another episode or two of the cartoon at some point i just i'm not sure when i probably have to get um uh, my brother Alan involved in it too. He hasn't really been involved with the NES games as much, but um, I'm trying to get him in on some projects with me. So maybe once once we start working together more, I can uh, we can knock out another episode or two. I mean, they all use the same old assets, so it's not yeah. that much work. I mean, it's a lot less work than putting to put a Flash cartoon together than it is to make it. <laughs> so I mean, it'd be fun to do. Um, but uh, yeah. So before we uh, kind of wrap it up, um, now that we kind of watched the gameplay of Alfonso, you kind of you saw refreshed about some of your work and <laughs> my struggles. Um, overall, happy with it, or is there anything you would have done differently now? Or I mean, I I feel pretty happy with. It. Aside from you know, there's the occasional thing here or there that I'm like, yeah, it was a little bit mean. But it's like <laughs> I might have done that differently if I did it now. But I don't yeah. Know necessarily go back and change it you know <laughs> some things it's just like you know you just kind of got to let it be as it is and uh, yeah it's weird because too like i don't know how other people feel it's like you know i played it so much in my own like i played through it so much myself that to me it almost just feels like a in a weird way and i don't want to it feels weird to say this but your own game but it has that kind of classic feel to it because it's like I know it so intimately, like I would know games that I grew up with. Um, so it has, it has that. It, it's this weird thing where you almost have nostalgia for your own creation, which is mm. a weird feeling. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> um, I don't know. I I just I really the fact that this game and the first Eskimo Bob even exist is uh, it, it's sort of one of those things. I kind of wish I could just you know hop in a time machine tell tell my 19 year old self you know 
yeah, this Flash cartoon you're making right now, you're gonna you're gonna do uh, <laughs> some NES games, and people are actually gonna buy them. <laughs> so uh, it, I, it's funny because we even joked about it at the time. Like, if we ever get to make a video game, we should make it NES game. But uh, I think the uh, the homebrew thing wasn't as uh, back in 2001 wasn't as uh, as accessible as it is yeah. now. So we were into the ROM hacking and stuff back then, but I didn't want to do a ROM hack. Like that's, that's somebody else's work. I, I wanted to do it from scratch myself. So, and I mean, I had done some ROM hacks and translations, stuff like that. But, um, but when it came to my own characters, like, yeah, I want to, I want to keep my own characters, my own work. So being able to fulfill that even years later was a uh, pretty cool. Very cool. Um, so if people want to um, connect with you, uh, see what you're working on, is there anywhere people can go to to interact with you or just get updates? Yeah, um, I got my uh, my website, uh, spooniebar.ca. I'll uh, usually post updates on new projects and stuff there. Um, Twitter, um, spooniebardtoma on both like Twitter, Instagram, basically any social media, it's spooniebardtoma. Um, that's probably the best way if you want to follow me and see what's going on. All right. Well, yeah. thanks, Thomas, for uh, offering your time and your insight into the game. Uh, it was great to uh, catch up with you and uh, see what you had to say. Yeah, no, it was a good time. It was uh, pretty fun watching the whole playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas. We'll see you again on a future project. Sounds good. All right, later.